Oh, thank you for that worship. That was so beautiful, so refreshing. Thank you so much, worship team. Just beautiful. I'd like to pray before we start. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Come and fill this place to overflowing. Holy Spirit, have full freedom here. Come, set the captives free. Come and bring your love and freedom, Lord, into our hearts and souls, into our lives. Holy Spirit, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the, uh, the topic for this morning session is God of love and freedom. And the Lord wants to bring his love and freedom into the deepest place of our heart and soul, where often we have places locked away. So I want to talk about God meeting us on an emotional and spiritual level in the innermost being. Now, the Bible talks about that we are made up of many parts, heart, soul, spirit, mind, body. And in Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 21, it talks about our inner person. And it says, May God grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. What a beautiful passage. Let's just look at that again. It talks about God is saying he wants us to be strengthened through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in our hearts, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, that we might know the love of Christ. So we're made up of different parts. And sometimes our mind knows that God loves us and God wants us. But our inner person has a hard time believing that we are loved or wanted. And when this is the case, it's important that we bring our inner person, our heart and soul, directly to God to experience the love and healing of Jesus. When we have bad experiences in our lives, and we all do, nobody's grown up in a perfect family and this world is not perfect, but when we have bad experiences in our lives, parts of us can stay emotionally stuck in the past and in past memories. And these parts of our inner person can be connected to our childhood, sometimes our teen years, sometimes our adult years, sometimes all of them. They're they're wounded parts of our heart and soul. And when we have triggers, those are things in the present which remind us often subconsciously of events in the past. Then we experience the thoughts, feelings, and reactions of our inner person connected to past events. So triggers are things, um, they can be so many things. They can be all of our five senses, something we see, smell, hear, 
taste, touch, some, something that touches us. It can be the weather, the seasons, the time of year, a certain date. It can be somebody's name, what somebody looks like. It, and it can remind us of something in the past. And all of a sudden, the, part, the wounded part of us that we've kind of pushed away behind a door inside, that door opens. And all of a sudden, why am I this upset about this. I would I'd understand if I was this upset, but why am I this upset? What is going on? And what that often is, is there's been a trigger that we might not even be aware of that has opened that door, and all of a sudden, we're feeling, thinking, and reacting like we did in the past. This can feel very confusing because the thoughts and the feelings often do not line up with what we know in the present. But instead of pushing these parts of us away again or rejecting these parts of ourselves, people get really harsh with themselves. What is wrong with me? You know, I shouldn't be feeling this angry. What is wrong with me? Why am I so anxious about this? People get really upset with themselves. But instead of rejecting these parts, we can recognize this is a wounded part of my inner person. The Holy Spirit wants to strengthen this part of me. We need not despise these wounded and needy parts of ourselves. We need to learn to love ourselves and allow our inner person to experience the love of God. In Matthew 22, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? Jesus said, I'm sure you all know it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're supposed to actually love ourselves equally to our neighbors, right? So we're supposed to love ourselves and our neighbor, and we're supposed to love God with our heart and soul. We're usually pretty good at loving him with our mind and strength, right? We learn about him. We, we learn all about him. We read the Bible, and it's wonderful. And with our strength, we help and serve other people, and that's loving God, right? But what about our heart and soul? Um, we're supposed to bring our feelings, our needs, our longings, to Jesus, just like David did. God wants us to love him with our heart and soul, with our inner person. And, and God said, with these two commandments, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, that all the laws and the prophets fall under that. So let's say in your childhood, you did not feel wanted or loved growing up. Later in life, you came to know Jesus, and you experienced God's unconditional love and acceptance. But at times, a part of you doubts God's love for you. And this frustrates you because your adult self knows God's love very well. Sound familiar? <laughs> now, instead of feeling ashamed or angry with yourself, recognize this is a precious part of myself which needs help, not judgment, which needs me to love this part of myself, not judge and despise this part. Don't keep the wounded parts of your heart and soul from God. Allow God's spirit to strengthen your inner being. Psalm 51 verse 6, God says, I desire truth in the innermost being. He wants truth there. As you bring your inner person to God, those, those feelings and thoughts and longings, Jesus might tell this part, I love you and I want you. And your inner person might need to work things, wrestle things through with God. And that part might say something like, well, hey, God, if I'm as lovable as you say, then why did these people not want me? And then God can bring revelation and understanding to this part of your soul. God might explain that, you know, these people were blinded spiritually, and they believed lies about you, but the truth is you are lovable. 
See, our minds might know these things, and we can tell other people these things, but our heart and soul, our inner person, needs to know them as well. And the Holy Spirit longs to bring freedom and revelation to your heart and soul, to your inner person. If we don't bring the needs, feelings, and longings of our inner person to God, that part of us will look to meet these longings elsewhere in unhealthy ways. We can look to people in a codependent way to try to fix everything. We can look to things, and then we often struggle with things like obsessions and addictions. So, what do we do with feelings anyway? Well, what we need to do is to acknowledge them, label them, and externalize them in a healthy way. So that would be talking about our feelings, telling God, praying about our feelings, writing them up like David did. Um, Music and art, those are all good ways of allowing our inner person to exist. Okay, And there are... There are five main levels of feelings, and it's kind of neat. I'm going to say the ones that are very simple and even children can understand. So mad, sad, glad, those rhymes, so they're easy to remember, scared, and guilty or sorry. Mad, sad, glad, scared, sorry. And all feelings kind of fall under those five categories. And behind these feelings, it's your inner person with a need to be heard, valued, and loved. And you know, people tend, and it's not only children that tend to act out (laughs) if they don't acknowledge and label their feelings and have them heard. It's adults too. And, And once we learn to say, you know, why am I having these emotional outbursts and why am I, you know, struggling with this obsession? What, what is wrong with me? You know, hey, how about look inside? What am I feeling? What am I feeling? Get quiet before the Lord, like David did. Maybe start to write out, what am I feeling? What is my inner person? You know what? I'm really mad because this happened today, and this, that reminded me of this, and you know, I am really sad about that. And start telling God about it, and he will meet you there, because you are now connecting with him on a heart and soul level. He wants to hear it. And I'll tell you, with little kids, very often when they're having tantrums and, and outbursts and, and a lot of acting out, you know, if we just help them, and it's not not always this simple, but often it is. If we just help them label, how are you feeling? Are you feeling mad? Are you feeling sad? Are you feel, what's wrong? You know, you're kind of freaking out here. And you help them to label those feelings. Guess what? A lot of the acting out behavior goes away. Kids are the same as adults that way. Our feelings are very important to God. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Pour out your hearts before God. So we shouldn't try to hide our feelings from God or cut them off. First Peter 5 verse 5 to 7 says, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, comma, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Humility is about being real about being honest with God, not only about our shortcomings and our struggles, but also about what we're feeling. And I I like these verbs. They're, They're action verbs. You know, pour out your heart to God. Cast your cares. We're giving this to God. We're giving him our pain. We're giving him our sorrow. Yes? Oh, um, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, 
But there's, there's confusion about feelings because people say, but you know what, look at the children of Israel, you know, they grumbled and complained. God didn't like that. Like, I don't want to tell God about my negative feelings, right? And there's, there's valid confusion there. But you know what? It wasn't about their feelings. If they would have said to God, okay, God, we're getting a little worried here. We're out of food. We're out of water. We're in the desert. Our children are going to get hungry soon. Okay, you know, we're scared. We're getting kind of upset. Would you please do something? Would you please provide? He would have been fine with that. He would have been fine with that. It's when they accused him of evil. They said, God, you've abandoned us and you've brought us out here to die. And he's like, really? After all these miracles? Now, we can't really judge them because how often do we feel abandoned when things go wrong even after all the miracles he does? So we can't judge them. Uh, they're human. But, but that was the problem. It wasn't about their feelings. It was that they, they accused God of evil. And even Job... God was fine to listen to Job's feelings. He was in anguish. He was in pain. He had a lot of questions. He only crossed the line when he started to become demanding with God. So, no, we can't become demanding with God, and we can't accuse him of being evil. However, we can tell him, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm sorry. You know, and we can tell him all the good stuff, too, all the good feelings. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, Cast down all thoughts that would exalt exalt themselves against God. So the thoughts, yeah, we, we need to take those captive. No, we're not going to go there. But the feelings, we need to pour those out to God. The book of Psalms is just a perfect example for us. God loved his heart-to-heart connection with David. And David told God about all those feelings, when he was mad, when he was sad, when he was happy and glad, when he, was, when he felt guilty, when he felt afraid. He poured those out to God over and over again. And the Lord met him in such beautiful ways. And sometimes it's confusing. People think, this is so confusing because David is saying, God, I'm so upset and I'm confused and why do the wicked prosper? And then at the end of the psalm, he's praising God. Why? Because when we bring these parts of us to God, the Holy Spirit meets us there. When we keep these parts away because we feel ashamed, well, I shouldn't tell God, you know, that I'm feeling really jealous and angry because that's, that's, those are bad feelings. And we keep those away, God can't minister there and, and show us what's behind it and help us through it. So the book of Psalms is beautiful. David loved the Lord with his heart and soul. Romans 12, 15 says, weep with those who weep. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4 says, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. God has feelings and we are made in God's image. Jesus was sad. In John eleven thirty-five, it says Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. The shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. Think about Jesus in the garden. He poured out his soul. He poured out his heart. He poured out his anguish, his grief, his sorrow, his stress, and his pain. And he felt all of those things. He wasn't judged. He didn't let the feelings control him, but he poured them out to God, and God ministered to him. God sent an angel to strengthen him, right? And then he said, not my will. My feelings might want to do this, I'll pour them out to you, but I say not my will, but yours be done. That is the perfect example for us. We can tell God, I think you're calling me to this. I'm really scared. I don't really want to do it, God. Like, and you can just tell him all about it. You know, I'm scared about this, and I'm, I'm upset about that, and oh, but not my will, but yours be done. And that's not doing anything wrong. Jesus gave us such a wonderful example. 
Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Jesus was angry sometimes too. In Mark 3, verse 1 to 5, he was angry at the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, for oppressing the people. In John 2, verse 13 to 16, Jesus was angry in the temple when they were stealing from people. In Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, Jesus was angry when the children, when they try to keep the children from him. He's like, don't keep them from me, of such is the kingdom of God. Psalm 4, verse 4 says, be angry and don't sin. So we can feel angry, but we're, but we're not supposed to hurt ourselves or others in our anger. Now, the Bible is a balanced book, and it does say, be slow to anger. And it does say, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And it does say, put off wrath and anger. But how do we do that? Do we push it away? No, we're supposed to cast it up to, on the Lord, pour it out to him, tell him about it, give it to him. And it's the same with anxiety, right? It says, be anxious for nothing. So a lot of people, when they get anxious, they feel guilty. Oh, I shouldn't feel anxious. You know, I, I should just be trusting God. And then there's feel ashamed. I'm sorry, God, I'm so worried. I shouldn't be worried. It's a sin. But you know what? What does it say to do with the anxiety? Does anybody know? Be anxious for nothing, but make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. So again, Tell him, God, I'm really worried about this, and I'm really stressed about this. I don't want to be, but I am. And okay, so here are my requests. Can you help me with this? Can you give me wisdom with this? Can, can you give me strength and direction? Because, oh, Lord, I'm just anxious about it. I don't want to be. And thank you that you hear me. God's pleased with a prayer like that. Don't be anxious. Tell him all about it and thank him for listening to you. That's what he wants. Now, there is a verse that gets people confused, and it, it, it says, if, if you are angry at your brother without cause, it is as the sin of murder. So I've heard people interpret that. I've actually heard people say, so therefore, anger is murder. So I can never feel angry. I've heard that. Now, can, can you see what's kind of the, the key to this verse? If you're angry at your brother without cause, it is as the sin of murder. The key phrase is without cause. And to me, this is like a bully situation. You're directing your anger at someone who has, there's no cause for you to, they're innocent. There's, there's no reason for you to direct your anger there. And, and, and as we know, bullying is like murder, right? So we, it, it's important to look at the Bible in balance. Anger in and of itself. There's a righteous anger. If we hear about abuse and oppression and there's not a righteous anger that rises up in us, I think something's wrong. <laughs> and God has righteous anger. And sometimes there's a personal anger when we're hurt as well. And, um, and yes, we need to bring that to God and there's a whole process of forgiveness and all kinds of stuff. But, but the anger in and of itself is not wrong. We need to be responsible what we do with it and never direct it at someone who doesn't deserve it. Of course, we're all human, but if we do that, we need to ask the Lord to forgive us, right? So the other confusion comes from the term being dead to sin. So some people think, no, I I can't. I have to push these feelings away because I need to be dead to sin. But let me explain what being dead to sin means. Being dead to sin means we can say no to doing wrong things, to saying wrong things, and to thinking, focusing our thoughts on wrong things. In Christ, 
We have the freedom to say no to sin and yes to God because of the blood of Jesus, sin is no longer our master. That's what it means. Sin doesn't have that power to control us anymore. That's what it means that we're dead to sin. It doesn't have that power. We can say no with God's help. Okay? Um, Denying ourselves means saying no to anything that is outside of God's will. It is not about putting to death your heart and soul. It is not about annihilating our emotional selves. Now, some people think, but doesn't the Bible say I'm supposed to be thankful in in all things? And the truth is, being thankful is a choice. It's a choice. It doesn't always have to go with feelings. And you can have all kinds of feelings while you're still thanking God for the good things in your life. Okay? So I can say something like, God, I'm so hurt and angry about what that person said about me. But thank you. You know that you're with me and you're there to listen to me. Do you see how it can go together? And that's balance. And and sometimes I put like a, two columns. Like if there's a chart, here's a column of what I'm thankful for. And here's a column of what I'm upset about. Okay, so the Bible says yes to be thankful in, in all things. Doesn't mean for all things, but in all things, God can use everything for good. So we could look for what we can be thankful for, even in difficult situations. Like I just said, God is loves me, and He's always there to listen to me. I can always be thankful for that. Um, and then we can also tell God what, what what we're upset about. Now, as people, we're prone to extremes, right? And so. <laughs> We're just, ex- we're just prone to extremes. It's just the way we are as human beings, right? So some people kind of get stuck in the thankful column, which is probably a more pleasant place to be for a while until the inner person freaks out and you're dealing with all these obsessions and emotional outbursts. But, you know, people are so thankful um, for everything, and as soon as a negative feeling comes, they just push away. Oh, I'm going to be thankful. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm just going to focus on the good. And you know, it's good to be thankful, but, but you're, you're, you're not working with your inner person here, right? And some people get stuck on the um, what I'm upset about column, and they forget about what they're thankful for, right? And they're just always thinking about the things they're upset about. The Bible is a book of balance. Pour out your heart. Cast out your cares. Grief is real, even for Christians. We can grieve. We can have sorrow. We can feel angry. We can tell God all about it. And, and we can tell God what we're thankful for. That is healthy, and that is biblical. Grief is a hard one. People get very confused because when it comes to losing someone we love, there's always positive and negative feelings, and that gets very confusing. But we have to get used to feeling both at the same time and knowing they go together. For example, someone might say, you know, I'm so confused because, you know, they were in pain, they wanted to go to heaven, and now they're there, and so I'm so thankful that they're happy in heaven forever and safe forever and no longer in pain, and then I'm so mad that they abandoned me, and I'm so mad to be alone and stuck down here while they're up there, <laughs> and it's not fair, and, there, and, and it, there's so much confusion. How can I think both? And I say, Yes, you can think both. They actually go together. And we have to get used to that. Otherwise, we deny whole parts of ourselves and those parts take on a life of their own. And we're thinking, why am I struggling with this stuff? Okay, so this is what I'm thankful for, Lord. This is what I'm upset about. We can tell them both. We can tell them both. And if you're really upset, just 
tell them what you're upset about and later tell them what you're thankful for. You, you know, but keep the balance. Some people have to be, get, it's very wise to start uh, a thank you uh, journal. You know, people who are stuck in the what I'm upset about call them all the time. You know, they start a thank you journal. So every day they make a commitment to write in there, God, I'm thankful for these things. And even if they can only think of one thing that day, they write it in there. So they get used to that balance, right? People who are used to denying their inner person and their emotions and the wounded parts of themselves, it's important that they start to journal what they're upset about and get used to not feeling guilty about that and let God meet them there. So it's important that we're honest with God about how we feel what we're struggling with. He loves us, and he already knows what we're going through. It's about humbling ourselves before God. It's about being real, knowing that God loves us, and he wants to help us, and he longs to listen. One of the, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit consoles and comforts us. How can the Holy Spirit do that if we, if we don't let the Holy Spirit in to these wounded places? So even feelings of jealousy or hatred shouldn't be ignored or denied if they are strong and they continue. These feelings show something's wrong and needs to be worked through, but the first step is just to acknowledge it and say, God, I'm feeling this, and I don't like it. (laughs) I don't want it, but here it is. Could you help me see what I have to do here? What's this connected to? That pleases the Lord. And I just want to say there is a time, there really is a time to say, negative thoughts and feelings come, there's a time to say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm going to focus on these positive things. There is a time for that. And there is a time to do spiritual warfare when negative thoughts and feelings come. But there is also a time, especially if the thoughts are strong and they continue, you know, for more than a day, there's something that needs to be processed and worked through. Okay, so I'm I'm going to say a prayer, and I think it's... I think we'll take a little break. It's a lot of information to process. Does anybody have questions about this? Okay, just let me know if you do. Because it's, it's, we like to box things in, you know? We like to box things in. But we need to keep balance. I would just like to pray. Jesus, come and set the captives free. Lord, you say that you're here to heal the brokenhearted, to open prison doors, break the chains of the oppressed, open the eyes of the blind, turn our mourning into dancing. Holy Spirit, that's, that's what you have come to do. And Lord, these parts of ourselves and our hearts and our soul that we've hidden away from you because we're avoiding the pain, but also because we're avoiding the shame, which I'll be talking about shortly. But Lord, we hide parts away from ourselves and from you because of the pain, but, we, but these parts of us so need to meet with you, need to meet with you in that pain and in, in those places of grief. So Holy Spirit, help everybody here to give you permission, to give, your, give you permission to go to those deep places. Help everyone here to not put their inner person to death and to bury that away behind a prison doors. Lord, help us to say yes come God and you can open the prison doors and and allow these parts of my heart to come out to be comforted and consoled and to hear truth and to be set free in Jesus name in Jesus name and you know it's like it's like we want to plug into to hearing God and then we want to plug into our inner person 
and to and we want to hear what is this part of me needing this part always needs a voice um, and and what is the Lord saying but we need to give God permission because if we shut that out we shut God out of there too and God respects our boundaries and and he won't go there unless we give him permission and see a, a lot of people also they they say, yeah, God, okay, you go in there and you just help this part of me because I'm really tired of all this anger or all this things. You know, you just help this part of me. But it doesn't work if we don't learn to love these parts of ourselves, <laughs> right? Like, if we don't learn to love ourselves, you can pray all you want, but there's going to be a division and pain inside. So it's so important to, to know that these parts of yours that are, are like, like lost sheep that Jesus is longing to you know, to find and to, and to take care of. And it's like you and your inner person and Jesus. <laughs> and it's, um, it's like you and Jesus sometimes need to reparent some of these wounded parts of you, right? So we need to learn to love. And, and a lot of people don't like their inner person. If, if you grew up feeling shamed, you know, you had a feeling and shame on you, you shouldn't feel angry and you shouldn't complain and you have nothing to cry about. If, if you grew up with that kind of stuff or just even being ignored when you were sad, kind of feeling like I have no right to have these feelings or to feel heard, we internalize that and then we treat ourselves that way. So then we treat ourselves that way. So when we're upset, then we get kind of like, well, that's dumb and I don't want to feel that way. And ugh, go away. But then we stay divided. We need to love ourselves and love these wounds. And, and even to say, Lord, I admit I don't like this part of me, but help me to learn to love me. God would be so happy with that, right? I want to learn to love me. And I want to let your love into these parts of me. Now, it is your choice, because if you say that, we, we often get in touch with a lot of pain, <laughs> right? But what do people need when they're in pain? They need to talk. They need to be heard without judgment, right? They need truth and comfort. And that's what God wants to bring to your adult self your, and your inner... I say inner child because so many wounded parts of us are usually from our childhood, but it's your inner person, right? Um, God wants to love you, you to love him, and he wants to love all of you, heart, soul, mind, and strength.